Well, today we're continuing with our Art of Neighboring series, and I'm so excited to continue this journey with you uh, as we talk about something which I think is critical to the Art of Neighboring journey, and that is the time barrier. Over the past couple of weeks, I have loved sharing some of this content from the Art of Neighboring book that we've been encouraging you to read at Anthem. I'm so glad that we're doing uh, this series of talks and I know that some of your thinking and your, your neighborhoods have begun to change and because I know that some of my thinking has changed as well and some of the interactions I've had already have been rich and have been in somewhat a new experience for me. And if you didn't get a copy of the book, The Art of Neighboring yet, uh, I wanna encourage you to pick that up. We've got copies of it available, so you can get one from us too. Last week's uh, talk, uh, the interview that we did right here with Mikey and Brittany Kimball was amazing, and I love their heart, and that is a couple that is so far ahead of this, uh, of, of the, on this than many of us are. And so watch last week's stream if you haven't done that yet. And we also uh, gave you these, gave some of you these cards to fill out just to like um, kind of get it in your mind. Like who are those people in my neighborhood that God has given me an opportunity to love because, where he, because of where he has placed me and because of where I live. And all this is in a bid to live out the greatest commandment. That greatest commandment, especially the second part of the greatest commandment, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And we committed as a church over these last few weeks to taking the great commandment seriously and literally. What could it be like if I actually committed to loving my neighbors around my home as myself, to actually being the light of Christ, to living out kingdom values in my neighborhood. And that's, it's a new learning for some of us, but uh, we, I love that last week we were able to put kind of some feet on it with Mikey and Brittany's testimony. And I wanna, I wanna ask you, you know, what is, the, what, what is the main thing? And I think there's a couple of things, but what is the main thing that would be stopping us from getting engaged in relationships with those around us in our neighborhoods. And I think the one thing that comes, that is, that is a barrier for us, it certainly is for me often, is time. The one thing that we all think that we don't have enough of, that we're, that we're struggling with. And I wonder, and I wanna ask this question today, are we willing to adjust both our pace of life and our focus in life in order to fulfill that second part of the great commandment, to love our neighbors as ourselves, Because the starting point was easy, wasn't it? The starting, I mean, maybe not easy, but the starting point was, was just that, it was a starting point, to learn some names of some neighbors in my neighborhood and to actually uh, begin the process of loving people around me because we know who they are. The starting point is easy, but the ongoing commitment is a much bigger one because it requires a change of focus. Now, I don't know, um, you know, if you're living like I do with a, a, a list of things on your to-do list each day, you get up in the morning and you know you've got a certain amount of appointments to, to, to keep, a certain amount of things to get done, and just the process of checking those things off and getting those appointments done or getting those commitments done is enough to finish you off for the day and to wipe you out. Um, but in order to uh, 
make margin and make space in our lives so that we can be available to love our neighbors as ourselves, we're going to need to make some adjustments to the way that we live. Back in 1998, so uh, 33 years ago, I can't believe it's that many years, I got my first my first car phone, all right? I was 20 years old, worked for an insurance company that required me to be, have access like while on the road. And uh, I got my first car phone. I think it was made by Vodafone or Motorola or someone like that. This is the first car phone I had. I mean, it wasn't mobile. It wasn't, you know, portable or anything. It had a big old box under the passenger seat with the battery and all the computer that run it and stuff. And I thought I was the cat's meow. I was the only person that I knew that had a car phone at the time because it was 1988. Um, and imagine though that that was just the beginning, right, of, of the kind of technological movement that has changed our, our world. And imagine if somebody um, could, have, could have come and told you 33 years ago when I had that phone in 1988 that this is just the beginning. And in just a few decades, you'll be able to have in the palm of your hand, forget just making phone calls while on the road, you'll be, able to, you'll be able to have in the palm of your hand something that can allow you to have every piece of data you need, every piece of information. You can send messages, texts, videos. You can watch any TV show you want to at any time of day. You don't have to wait for commercials. You can, you can order food to come to your house. You can connect with people all around the world. If you were told 33 years ago when I had that first car phone that, that this was going to happen, you, perhaps your first thought would have been, what am I going to do with all that time? I'm going to have so much time for, for leisure activities. I can work in my backyard. I can work on cars. I can, I can bake. I can play golf. I can do all the things that I want to do in my spare time. I can go hiking. I'm going to spend more time with my kids, more time with my family. And what has taken place as technological advancements have developed that have allowed us to, to, to free up time is that we have filled our calendars with more stuff to do. We've, we've sort of bought into these myths, and there's, there's three of them, I think. that we, we've bought, The first myth is that, that one day things will get easier. And, uh, you know, I honestly believe that things will actually only get easier if we become intentional with our time. We bought into that myth. We bought into the myth that, that, that more will one day be enough. That, that we're just one Amazon click away from being content, from having enough, and that at some point we will have enough. And buying into this, this myth can drive you insane. It can rob you of every penny in your bank account, of course, but, but it can drive you insane if, if we don't uh, bring our spending and our materialism in under control, under the authority of Jesus Christ. Because we always think that if I can just spend this $30 purchase here, this another $30 purchase, another purchase on Amazon or wherever you buy your stuff, walmart.com, that, that, that we'll be happy. And we buy into that myth. And we buy to the other myth as well that, hey, this is just normal, that everybody lives like this and there's nothing you can do about it. And I want to say today that does not need to be true in our lives. It doesn't need to be true that we have to live with those myths, myth, myths of, of nonstop consumerism and time being sucked away from us every day. And it's always thinking somewhere off in the future, it's going to get better. Unless we make intentional choices, it's just not. 
Now, we're going to read a passage of scripture today that is right after that, that great commandment and good, Samar- and good Samaritan passage that we'd talked about in the last couple of weeks. And this is talking about two women. This is talking about when Jesus visits the home of Martha and her sister Mary. And, and listen to this. It's in Luke chapter 10. It says, as Jesus and the disciples continued on their journey, they came to a village where a woman welcomed Jesus into her home. Her name was Martha, and she had a sister named Mary. Mary sat down attentively before the master, absorbing every revelation he shared. But Martha became exasperated by finishing the numerous household chores in preparation for her guests. So she interrupted Jesus and said, Lord, don't you think it's unfair that my sister left me to do all the work by myself? You should tell her to get up and help me. She's down on the, on, by Jesus' feet. Get it, tell her to get up and help me. The Lord answered her, Martha, my beloved Martha, why are you upset and troubled, pulled away by these many distractions? Are they really that important? Mary has discovered the one thing most important by choosing to sit at my feet. She is undistracted and I won't take this privilege away from her. Here you got Martha, this growing, developing personal friend of Jesus who's hosting Jesus at her house and her sister there. And it's interesting that the Bible says she was exasperated with with finishing the numerous household chores. She, She misses out on the main thing, the main reason for the event, for this party at her house with Jesus, because of the serving that she's doing. Now, it's, it's interesting. I, I'm, I'm thinking about uh, my wedding anniversary coming up in a few weeks because in a few weeks, Liz and I have been married for 25 years. Um, so really excited about that. But um, I remember when I look back at my wedding anniversary and I either watch the video or, or like open the photo album or something like that, the, the thought that goes through my mind is that it seems like a complete blur, not just because 25 years have passed, but even on the actual day, it just seemed like a blur. Like it, was, it went so fast that I felt like we missed it. And having done the weddings of a bunch of couples since then, I've experienced just having couples just miss their wedding because it seems like they got so taken up with the stuff, the preparation and the, the work that need doing that they miss the joy of the actual event. And Martha reminds us that we can miss the point when we get hurried when our lives are just consumed with rush and doing stuff and and rushing from one thing to another you know john john ortberg in his book the life you've always wanted talks about um, this thing called hurry sickness and uh, talks about the talk spends a bit of time talking about the 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 problem that we have with hurry one um one author said that you know hurry is not of the devil hurry is the devil it's the thing that's tearing us away from the life that god has for us and and john ortberg said this in his book he said love and hurry are not compatible because love takes time and time is the one thing the one commodity that hurried people do not have you see one of the places where i notice that i'm in a hurry is in my driveway. It's in my, when I'm walking to and from the car or to and from the house, if I'm rushing out to walk the dog, I've got no time for, for people. 
And one of the places where I find myself the most hurried is when I'm literally in my own driveway, when I'm going from the house to the car, rushing to get somewhere, rushing to get out. And it's only as we will be willing to adjust our lives and adjust our lifestyle to incorporate those around us. Remember, we've said so many times our mission is to, is to awaken everyone around us to the life God has for us, is to love everyone around us. And we've made that clear. That's one of our central values, to love the people that God has put within our sphere of influence. And so often that is our neighborhood. Martha, get this, and you kind of got to get your head around this a little bit. Martha is being reprimanded for serving Jesus, for doing what seemed to be the right thing to do. It seems like sometimes we need to say no to the good things in order to say yes to the best thing, to the main thing. And the, the line that was, that was describing Mary is that Mary sat down attentively before the master absorbing every revelation that he shared. And she, in this case, was, was, uh, was fulfilling the first part of the great commandment, that, that love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. But the principle applies to, to both parts, that she had focused on what was right. Now, now, this meant her sitting at Jesus' feet meant that she was a disciple of Jesus. She was breaking all kinds of cultural norms by sitting at his feet. She was listening to his teaching that, that, that a woman in that time uh, would be a student, a learner, was completely unheard of. She was breaking norms all over the place. Um, like her identity as a woman would normally have been tied to her ability to be a great host, her ability in the the kitchen but hospitality wasn't her thing because she recognized there was something more important she centered her life around the main thing living out the great commandment I read a little a book a little while ago called Essentialism by Greg McKeon and um, he talks about this whole practice of removing things from our lives in order to focus on those things that are essential and he makes this point that I found really interesting that, do you know that uh, there's a correlation between movies over the last hundred years that have won Best Picture and two thirds of the movies that have won Best Picture have also won the, the, the Oscar for the uh, film editing. Film editing, of course, being the removal of even sometimes microseconds of a movie, the removal of the smallest parts of a movie that are, that are subtly irrelevant, that can be taken down in order to, to hone the masterpiece that, it is the, that is the Oscar-winning movie. And it's, it's been a, a, a studied fact that two-thirds of the movies in the last hundred years that won Best Picture also won the Oscar for film editing because they recognized that it wasn't always about creating something. Sometimes it was about the removal of the things that weren't um, necessary. In, uh, I believe it's in Florence that uh, Michelangelo's famous statue of David is. And he was asked about uh, when, he was, when he was creating that thing, they're like, how did you create this, this masterpiece statue of David? And, um, and he just said, I just chopped away everything that wasn't a masterpiece. I just chopped away, I, I just cut away everything that wasn't David. And if we recognize the ability that we have to prune certain areas of our life in order for fruit, for our lives to bear fruit in areas where God would have us flourish. 
I wonder if there's um, areas where we need to be pruning and chopping away, cutting away things that are not the masterpiece that God has created us for, for us to be. The masterpiece that God has created to fulfill the great commandment. What would it look like for us to do that in our lives? Sometimes I see parents, um, parents especially with younger children or elementary school children, and they will sacrifice everything to give their kids every activity that could be imagined to keep their kids busy, to keep their kids uh, focused on being the best ball player, being the best ice skater, being the best hockey player, um, the best soccer player, working, working, working to the, to the expense of other valuable things in their lives that may include fulfilling the great commandment in our lives just so that our kids can have everything that they want. What might it be like to readjust our pace in order to love, readjust our focus in order to love our neighbors as ourselves? And I want to bring that challenge to us that, that if we think, and this, is a, this series is, what is a, a classic series of, of talks to bring excuses, especially some of the like, oh, my, my neighborhood doesn't look like this. And you would never cross the street in my neighborhood because no one you know, really talks to the people over there. This is, this is a classic uh, opportunity for us to have excuses. But, but I believe that this could be, this, I, I, I want to kind of like dismantle that excuse of I don't have time. Because if, it's, if the reason that we don't love our neighbors is I don't have time, I believe there's a bigger reason that we have put in place. And that is that we have decided to not love our neighbors as ourselves, to not make that intentional choice to love our neighbors as ourselves. And so my challenge to you today, Anthem, is that we be people that continue on this learning journey of what it is to fulfill the great commandment of Jesus, to adjust our posture, to adjust our focus, and to adjust the pace of our lives in order to fulfill everything God has commanded us to do.